What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Gloves Off Podcast, episode number 16 here with myself, Evil Eddie from PureEvilMMA.com, and also James McSweeney from season 10 of The Ultimate Fighter. I don't even have to do an introduction at this point because we're already at episode number 16, and we have so much going on here in 2019 with the MMA scene going on. I mean, this weekend, just give you guys a quick preview of what's going on in the MMA scene. Chill Sun retiring. Bellator had a great weekend. UFC had uh, this weekend off, but the last couple of weeks have been so interesting. And I've been able to talk to a lot of fighters, uh, you know, even Jimmy Smith, who is the commentator for Bellator, giving his take on everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts, including BKFC, where he kind of backdraft off of what James had to say here. And we are back here, guys, and we are so excited to talk about everything going on in the mixed martial arts scene. So, what's going on, James? How have you been? I know you've been traveling a lot. Yeah, it's just been non-stop for me, to be honest. So, it's just been back-to-back. But thank you all for being patient and waiting for me to get back onto the groove. But, um, yeah, I arrived back in America about about six weeks ago. And literally, every weekend for six weeks, I was doing seminars all over Canada, all over America. Then I had a small break for a couple of weeks, or a week or so, then I was back at it again. More seminars preparing for my fight and then of course tonight uh, the last month i was uh i was in, a, in la i was out there boxing with, with my boxing coach freddie roach for a while oh yeah i saw and, that uh, i saw that yeah that was really cool james really quick what again. was that like because for our listeners out there you trained with them in the past right yeah, I've, I've trained with Freddie pretty much now for uh, on and off for 10 years. Wow. So, um, yeah, like, and it, it was cool because I hadn't got to see him for about four or five years. And, um, of course, I was back in town. I got a five. So um, I had some business to do in L.A. So, of course, while I'm in L.A., I'm going to box with Freddie, right? So I sent the messages out, got great replies, and it just, it was so cool being back, just walking into the gym, seeing all the old faces, and, like, to be honest, I was a little bit nervous because, you know, a lot of time's gone by, you know, four or five years, and Freddie uh, is not uh, a man that stays on his phone too much. So, you know, you know, you always wonder, like, oh, is the, is the relationship the same? Or, you know, I wonder if he's going to be mad at me that I haven't seen him or whatever. But literally within 10 minutes, like, he walked up to me and goes, oh, you're the guy that used to train here, right? <laughs> and it was just like, we were back to the old ways in 10 minutes. And we, back we trained upstairs. One. Yeah, we trained. It was a great day. Then the next day. He should, well, actually, we trained up downstairs the first day. He showed me the, the private gym downstairs where, like, Cotto uh, um, trains and Manny trains. Uh, only the high-level guys go downstairs because it's private. No one's allowed in there. And it's pretty much a gym for Manny or the high-level guys. And then the next day, I turned up to train. And he's like, come on, we're going to go downstairs. So I've got the train downstairs and we're, we're the elite train. Just me, just me and Freddie and... Uh, it was it was really cool, you know. So I got to work with him for a couple of weeks, which was great. And then I was um, straight over to Holland and finished my camp with my coach Lucian Carbin. And I spent a couple of weeks in Holland just finished up. That's one of your original and, coaches, uh, right? For people out there that aren't aware, you've been training with well, him for well, years, for right? For people, for people aren't aware of who Lucian is, Lucian Carbin is uh, probably one of the most decorative coaches of the world. He trained. God, he's trained everyone over the years, but some of the most highest level kickboxers or MMA fighters of the world pretty much started or came through Lucian. Um, Alistair Overeem, 
Gilbert uh, Ivel, uh, uh, Rodney Glunder, Imro Main, Tyrone Spong, um, wow. the list. Uh, Raymond Decker's trained with Lucian years ago. Um, I mean, I mean Jerry Morris. There's just Valentine Overeem. There's just so many guys. James, all... is that where you met the trained. Overeems? Is that where you met the Overeem uh, family? Yeah, eighteen years ago. Eighteen wow. years, yeah. So it was, it was funny because I've been Lucian's been my coach um, for seventeen years, and um, and he just said to me the other day because of course over the years people have come and gone and, and whatever you know gone their own separate ways or you know some people have just moved and some fighters have fell out and some fighters have stayed together and of course I come back to the gym now and there's all these young kids there and I'm probably the only or there's only me and Ilonke Elmont um, who's the original who was around since day one. And um, Ilonka was one of those highest decorative type, female type boxers in the world. Uh, if you ever get a chance, look up the killer queen, Ilonka Elmon. This girl is, I mean, listen, she doesn't fight anymore, but back in the, well, not even back in the day, five, ten years ago, she was killing everybody. And um, she all came from my gym. So me and Ilonka are the only two really originals, but now I come back and there's a young kids. And they know who I am, and they talk to me as if, like, mm. of course, my coach has told them the old stories about the things that used to happen. Now I'm the veteran, and you know, whereas when I went to the gym, I was the young kid looking up to all the bigger guys, and so now it's yeah. kind of switched over. You know, it's, it's a different dynamic, but it's within five minutes of being back in the gym, it's just like home. Well, um, well James, really quick, amazing. what did that mean that for you at, at this stage in your career, looking at that and, and what you just said? means a lot i'm sure that meant a lot to you like sitting back and like looking at all the young kids out there what did that mean like what did you reflect on in, in those moments well it's funny you know because of course dutch kickboxing is so highly world renowned um, as being the highest level of kickboxing or k1 or tie boxing in the world um in, my, in not just my opinion but in i mean every k1 champion pretty much has come from holland so which is the highest level in the world right so i mean to me to I, i've looked up to these guys for so many years and held them in such a high regard and it, it, it's kind of cool because after me being out of the K1 world for so long and then just coming back and knocking out Daniel Ilonga. Daniel is a big name in Germany and Holland because of glory. And it was just funny just walking through Holland and so many people stopping me in the street for pictures and autographs and like, oh, I saw your fight against Daniel. Wow, we're so glad you were back in K1. And when are you going to fight Glory? When are you going to do this? When are you going to... It's just caused a really big buzz. And then having the young kids come up, you know, and uh, in the gym and, you know, just talk to me about their career or not even asking advice, but I can tell they're, they're like, they ask me a question, but they... They're looking for a hidden answer. Do you know what I mean? They're, yeah. they're not really asking advice because it's not the thing you do, but they're kind of asking, like, am I doing the right thing? You know what I mean? And it's, it's really cool. It's really cool. And it's just being back in the gym. And all the faces may have changed over the years, but the dynamic of the gym and the rule set has not changed. When one fights, we all fight. Like, just the other day, um, it was on Monday before I left, um, one of the other fighters is, is very experienced. He put the big body suit on, um, and he said, Lucian told him, hey, you've got to work with James. James, you've got to work with him, and you're going to go five five-minute rounds, nonstop, body box. And, of course, the guy's wearing, like, an unbreakable body suit. 
And for five minutes, five rounds, I had to just go full whack and do everything I could do. And he had to fight back with me. Um, of course, you know, it's just absolutely draining. But within within a couple of rounds when I could feel that, of course, you know, I'm starting to suffer a little bit. The whole gym, I look over my shoulder, the whole gym is watching. Everyone's cheering and shouting and cheering you on. And it's just like, wow, you know, 15 years, that was the same. It's just a different breed of and, and age of people, but the atmosphere is the same, which means it just means that Lucian as a coach has inbred it in these young fighters coming through the same dynamic that he gave to myself. You felt the same kind of energy, right? Guys. Yeah. Yeah, the foundation is exactly the same. So it's been really, really good. Um, I'm very prepared for my fight. You know, I just arrived in Germany yesterday and... Um, Castle's a nice place. I had a day off today, so I got to go and chill out and look around, saw the Hercules monument, the castle, and stuff like that. But tomorrow, Lucian arrives, uh, and it's done, of course, then Wayne's come and fight days on. So it gets serious real quick. But James, right now, it's it's late, and I'm just chilling. I, I know that you're going to get serious in the next couple of days, but there's also some things going on that we got to address here. I mean, it, it wouldn't be right. We're going to get a lot of hate if we don't address this. I mean, what do you got going on with your old coach, Robert Chamberlain? Uh, what's up with that? <laughs> well, he's, he's not my old coach, but he's known as the old coach. Okay, is that right. what it is? Okay. Right. That, that, that's his nickname, the old the coach. Old... <laughs> so, yeah, that's his nickname. Rob has been around for many, many years. and was a very high decorative Thai boxer back in the day. And he lives out in Dubai. And he works very close with Hoist Gracie. He, he runs Hoist Gracie's... Um, uh, executive martial arts facility in Dubai. So um, I've known Rob on and off throughout the industry, never personally uh, met, but we know each other from the industry. He trained a lot. Uh, he trained a lot of high-level guys, and uh, I think one of his most successful guys right now is that Dave uh, Ludic. He does the King of Lithwell, the bare-knuckle Muay Thai stuff. Okay. You see him? That's his coach, is Rob. And... Uh, how it came about is they've asked me to do a seminar out in Dubai for Hoist Gracie's private wow. gym, which which I'm highly honoured to go and do. I'm going to be there in September. And uh, I think there was a little bit of buzz going about me coming and so forth. And then they heard about... Um, there's, there's a thing that's always happened to me. It happened like eight or nine years ago. It started on a film set where one of the camera crew didn't believe uh, low kicks would win a fight. He thought it was fake, like the rest of it. So he said to me, oh, we're just watching one of your fights. And the guy went down, to, you kick him in the leg. And he went down to the floor. And I said, yeah. And the film crew guy said to me, um, well, it's like WWF, right? And I was like, what? What a joke is that? Yeah. And he's like, it's like the WWF, like it's, it's, all, it's all fake. I was like, no, no, it's this. This is real. This is like MMA. This is a real fight. What and year is this, James? What year is this? Like, so there's no fakeness about it. And he's like, there's no way a guy would go down if you kick him in the leg. So all the film crew are going, go on in, James, kick him, kick him, right? And he was up for it. This guy. So I said to him, listen, be fair. You kick me first, and then I'll kick you after. I thought, well, I'll just see how hard he kicks me, and I'll give him just another 5 or 10% above that, you know? So he kicked me, but of course, he's not a fighter or nothing. He's not trained. He kicked me like his toes almost broke kicking my thigh or something. It was really bad. So I just gave him like a, a weighted kick, 
and uh, the guy that we were doing the music video for for Def Jam Records filmed it. Oh, no shit. And he flew across the gym and fell on the floor, and it was a big old thing. It went viral, right? So then every every time I did a movie or, or I was filming something or whatever, someone would bring it up and talk about it. So it kind of got to be my thing. When there was always someone on set wanted me to give him a kick in the leg. Now, that's happened over the last 10 years. Now, Rob Chamberlain is now, of course, I'm doing a seminar, and he's a full-blown uh, high-level striking coach. He's saying, listen, guys, James has come out to do a seminar. We're honored to have him. In my opinion, this is him talking, uh, James is probably one of the most hardest kickers in the world, in the kickboxing world. Um, but I believe, I saw the videos of him making low kicks. Yeah. I can take his low kick like it's nothing. No, so, and but the thing was, he just did it. He just did it online. He just went vi- online with it. So I saw the video. So I messaged him. It was like, "Hey, Rob, are you joking or like, are you for <laughs> real?" And he's like, "No, nah, James, I'm for real." I saw the videos. I know you kick hard, but there's no way I'm going down. Like I've got this, and I, I, like I'll take it, no problem. No, James, I, well, I accept the challenge, man. So James, I actually have this video pulled up right now for all the people watching the video cast unfortunately for our listeners watching the pod or listening to the podcast they can't see it so jump over to our periscope our youtube or facebook page and watch this but james i have a message from robert chamberlain i didn't even listen to yet on the instagram so i'm going to pull it up right now and we're going to hear what he has to say so let's see what he's got to say i've never heard this before hold on one second hold on Make sure you don't bark. This is an unheard message. Let me get out the glove. So let's let's hear what he has to say here. Let me go to the Pure Evil MMA Instagram page. And bada bing, bada. All right, so at Robert Chamberlain 2, if you guys want to go follow him. Here's the message. Give him a follow. He's a cool guy. Oh, it's not. Letting me play the mess. Hold on. Let me see if I can pull it up here on. Fuck. I can't even pull it up. Tyler, do you have. Oh, fuck. Can't even pull it up. James, I can't pull it up because. Uh, give me one second. I think I might be able to. There's an unheard message from him. <laughs> evil, I'm a man. I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's causing some shit anyway. I know that for a fact. So he, he, here's what happened. Since I can't pull it up. Here's what I said to him. He said, because I responded to the whole video that you guys did. Like, um, you know, matter of fact, I have that right here. Let me play the video for everybody. You saw, I posted on my uh, Instagram page and on the Gloves Off Instagram page. Let me play that for everybody really quick right now. Here it is. Right here. Poor Robert Chamberlain, you said, has no idea what's coming. All right, here it is, guys. Here we go. Hi, my name's Robert Chamberlain. I'm the old coach here in Dubai. Every year, every year I get given you challenges. Uh, when Liam Harrison, the hitman, came to Dubai, he said, Coach, do you honestly think you can take one of my body shots? When David Duck came, he said, Coach, do you honestly think you can clinch with me? I've been clinching since I was like five years old. The latest challenge, James McSwinging, probably multiple world champion, probably the hardest low kick in the world said, Coach, do you honestly think you can take one of my low kicks? James, I've been kicked in my leg over 10 million times. Do you think, honestly, one is going to make a difference? Now it's showing uh, video of the year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
now they're showing. So James, let me pause this video right here because you've seen this video, what our uh, video cast people are playing. He's getting hit with what seems like a, a stick that like what police would use or what is that? What exactly is that? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, took the, I, took a, I took the piss out of him, made a joke and said it was a chopstick. But um, he said it was a solid piece of wood. So it looks like it's pretty thin. But the, the fact of the matter is, listen, uh, he's put the challenge to me that he can take it. So the seminar's got to happen in Dubai. So we're looking to be the, one of the largest seminars in Dubai. I think it's like got over 150 people are coming or something to this seminar. And then after the seminar, I'm going to do the, the kick. So I said to him, I said, listen, Rob, you've gone public, man. I'm going to make this kick 100%. So uh, I'm sorry, but you're going to be going to hospital, I guess. And if you don't, if you don't go down, I put my word on it that the seminar is free for everybody. Wow. So, Whoa. Yeah, so I said, I'll do the seminar for free. I guarantee you'll go down. No one will have to pay. I'll do the whole seminar for free. So uh, uh, it's just gone pretty viral, and the challenge has gone out. It started off as a kind of a like you know a friendly banterish joke between you know, and then we've got we've got mutual respect for each other, of course. Yeah. But of course now it's turned like, well, okay, you've got you've got loud with it. Let's make it loud. So I have belief in my kick. He seems to have belief in his leg strength. So we're going to see what happens. Well, what what, what do you think his chances are? The demonstration that he's made which is the problem, is that you've got a little wooden stick, right? Let's say the wooden stick weighs a pound. It. it doesn't, but let's say it does. That's not what causes the problem when you get kicked with a pound. What causes the problem when you get kicked with your, a, a real low kick is how much weight you can put into the kick. Weight and speed creates power. Weight, speed and penetration is what causes the problem. It's like getting hit by a car at 30 miles an hour. It'll break your back getting hit by a train at 30 miles an hour, it'll kill you. So even though he's taking a stick on the leg and he can, you know, it's surface, it's, yeah, and he can take it, it probably stung a little bit and he can take it, that's cool. But it ain't gonna be the same when he gets hit with a, I don't know what my leg weighs, it's probably like, you know, what? No, uh, honestly, James, has anyone ate one of your leg kicks and uh, knocked one over? I mean, going full force because what you were just saying a minute ago was last time somebody challenged you, you just went 10% extra. But you're going to go full force on this, right? The latest challenge, James the Trainer, probably multiple world champions, probably the hardest low kick in the world. Okay. You know, so, Coach, you honestly you think you can take one of my legs? Kick. James, I've been kicking my leg like, over 10 million times. Do you think one is going to make a difference? Kick me 100, I'm not going to block it. Just kick me on the finish. I've never done that to anyone. Um, I kicked one guy, I think, um, I, I actually kicked a guy, I used to work security on the door once. Um, not once, I did it. I had a, com I had a company for 10 years. <laughs> so, but one, one occasion on the door, one of my security guys was a big bodybuilder and he fancied himself a little bit. And one night he pissed me off, so I kicked him in the leg. And um, yes, he, he went straight to hospital. Uh, <laughs> they thought they hit. Yeah, they thought, I, I didn't kick him 100%, but I, I, he pissed me off, so I probably gave him a good 60%, 70%. I don't know how much it was, but I know it was enough to. I put enough in it to. He fucked me off, do you know what I mean? Yeah. He was rude to me a little bit, he worked for me, he was a little bit arrogant and he pissed me off. So I just kicked him. And um, yeah, he had to go to hospital and they suspected he had a cracked or, or split or uh, fractured femur, but yeah. it wasn't, it was just split. It was, uh, he had minute fractures and, and a little splint or something down the uh, outside of his, of his bone, but it was a chip.
or, or something happened to her. It was, um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see what's going to happen. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> I put Rob's put the, his money where his mouth is, and I've put my money where my mouth is. So it's going to be a good thing to video and see. And um, I mean, everyone that comes to the seminar in Dubai is going to get to see it firsthand. And whoever is not there, we're going to put it online. So I'll have my people film it. Rob will have his people film it. And uh, I'm going to kick him 100% for sure. So listen, James, I'm going to get him on the show this week because that's what he's agreed to. And I, I'm going to hear, yeah, we're going to do a, a seven-minute interview, and I want to hear him hype this hype this thing up. Before we move on with this, just so people know, I mean, you were on season 10 of Ultimate Fighter. You came in as a kickboxing Muay Thai specialist, correct? Yeah. You've been doing this your whole life. I mean, and we've seen videos uh, of Alistair Overeem doing this with young kids. We've seen people like Mark Hunt do this with young kids. This is an older guy. I mean, after yeah, everything... When, when you've got high-level K1 guys and heavyweights as well. I mean, I remember the first time Peter Ertz uh, kicked me in the leg. I was like seven... Oh, fuck. I lost, I lost it. Hold on, guys. We lost James. We lost James. Hold on. This would be a good time to have my uh, Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get James back in the call. James, are you with us? Hold on one second. Yep, hold on one second. One second, James. Let me plug you back into the computer, and we're good to go. Hey, mud on. Hold up, James. Hold on, Tyler. So really quick, James, there's so much going on in the mixed martial arts scene right now that we got to be hype about. Let's talk about Bellator really quick. Let's talk about Chael Sonnen really quick, because Chael recently had a fight with Leota and unfortunately didn't get the win. He's retiring. What are your thoughts on Chell Sonnen? Before you give your thoughts on Chell Sonnen, what's a stickout moment? Like what defines Chell Sonnen as a fighter? I mean, as a fighter, he was, in my opinion, he was a phenomenon. Um, his team, his conditioning was fantastic. Um, I mean, in my opinion, he was the first real person to start the trash talk uh, yeah. and back it up. Um, Chow was a very intelligent athlete, not just as a fighter, but as a marketing expert as well. He marketed himself very well. I mean, you know, he's the politician, right? And as it turns out, you know, he wasn't a bad guy after all. I mean, in my opinion, I know Chad on a personal level, and he's always been nothing but a respectful, nice guy. And, um, you know, I, I think it's a smart move for him. I think he's got other adventures that he's going to go down, which is fantastic. I hate to see fighters retire and don't know where they're going to go, but he's always been a smart, uh, intelligent, financially secure guy. He's put his money in the right places. He's made the most of his fame. He's worked not just in the cage but he's worked in front of the camera as well 
So he's been very good at commentary, very good at breakdowns on TV. I mean, you know, he's just been an all-round, he's just been all-round very good for the sport. So um, it's a shame to see him go, but I, I know for a fact he's going to do nothing but success. Yeah. So James. his athleticism, his wrestling was second to none. James, really quick, before you go on, I just want to play a clip for our listeners of him after the fight, after he uh, announced his retirement at the uh, Bellator press conference. Let me just play this clip for our listeners here uh, tuning into the podcast really quick. You wrote that you know great piece on ESPN and you're talking about how you made that promise to your father. And I'm just wondering if, if you could have a conversation with your dad right now, what do you think he'd say to you? I just tell him I tried. Now, I don't got to play any more of that clip. You wrote this that is what I got to ask piece. ask of you, James. In a situation like this, after all Chael Sonnen has um, accomplished in his career, I mean, you brought up Anderson Silva fight where he beat Anderson Silva, a guy that was really still viewed as one of the greatest of all times, but at that time was at the pinnacle of his career. I mean, he ended up defending the UFC title 16 times, still holding the top spot next to uh, Mighty Mouse. So for... I think it was Breck Okamoto that asked him that question. As a media guy, I got to ask you, would that be a, a, an appropriate question to ask somebody? For, because people out there that don't understand, Chill Sonnen, before his father passed away a couple of years ago, told his father on his deathbed that he guaranteed, promised his father that he would be a champion. He was going to hold that belt. Now, we are only a couple of days away from Father's Day. Was this an appropriate question to ask a fighter that retires? Uh, what do you think about this? Well, the, fa the fact is, I mean... It's a tough question. To the, to their, what, what somebody says to, to their father or mother on their deathbed is totally their, their business. Charles obviously brought it up and made it public. Um, I think it's... I, I, it's a distasteful question, in my opinion, because it's almost like... I felt like it, it was being said in a manner where it was almost obviously he knew the answer, right? Yeah, he didn't win the belt. So you know, if someone did make a promise to somebody and they hadn't fulfilled it, and you know they haven't fulfilled it, why have you got reminded of a promise? Opening up scars. So You're I, opening up so, old scars. So I feel like the guy. I feel like the guy was being insensitive, and to be, to be honest, it was just a fucking joke. But. Okay. That's just my opinion. Um, you know, I, I don't. I don't know. I think Chael was honest. Um, at the end of the day, is is all that is is it's pretty straight. All that doesn't mean fucking jack shit, does Thank it? You. When his father grew up with Chael Sonnen, not only has he been very respectful of his father, he's been brought up to uh, in, a, in a completely new way. Chael accomplished not just in the MMA world, go through his, his life. He's got a beautiful wife. He's got amazing children. He's got a household. He wrestled to an extremely, extremely high level. He made millions of dollars, and then he pushed the limits and went and, and fought. Look at his last 16 fights who he fought. I think 13 or 12 were world champions. Former champions, uh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, so to the end of the day, for a media guy to try and be a, a smart aleck or be a smart ass um, and try and be like, oh, what did you do? I just think it's wrong. But at the end of the day, he answered it right. He said, I told my father I tried. You could tell he's super emotional. And it's a distasteful question. What the guy should have been really saying was, thank you, Chow, because without people like you, I wouldn't have a job.
Now, James, James. That's what he should be saying. Great fucking point right there. Because Chelsea, at that point, when it was the pinnacle of his career, Anderson Silva, I remember watching with uh, some of my best friends in high school, Dave, um, my buddy Dave, we would watch uh, all the UFC uh, pay-per-views. Anderson Silva versus Chael Sonnen, what they were able to do before that fight, how Chael was able to hype that fight up in the press conference leading up to it, we've never seen anything like that, maybe since Muhammad Ali, which is generations before what well, I've ever seen. It was the first time it was done with class and etiquette in the MMA world, right? I mean, Muhammad Ali was the class and etiquette way of the boxing yeah. world. We've seen many try to follow and many fail. Um, but Chow did it in a way where it was humorous. Chow did it in a way where it was intelligent. He did it in a way where he wasn't out there swearing and threatening everybody. He was doing it out there with the poetry of his knowledge. Do you know what I mean? And he was doing it in a way where, yeah, okay, listen, he was convincing himself and the opponent of how good he was to the point of where the opponent believed him. But to be honest, all that set aside, I don't believe that Anderson Silva fight even defines Chow Sonnen. Because he has so many other bouts, yeah. you know what I mean? He has so many other fights where he performed at the very highest level and was at the very highest level for a long, long time. And you know what? He's gone out, he came in the industry and he's left it the way he wanted to. Did he get his belt? Maybe he didn't. But you know what? When you're all said and done, who gives a fucking shit about belts? Really? You know what I mean? Like, do you think that, that it's gonna, someone's going to look back and say, oh, Chow Sonny, yeah, he had an amazing career, but he didn't get the belt in the end. No one gives a shit. You're going to look back and say, wow, man, he was an amazing guy, an amazing athlete, amazing champion. He, he brought so many people to the sport. He made it entertaining. He, before, he, he, he rose the game. You know what I mean? Which is what it's all about. And, mm. and uh, at the end of the day... <laughs> He gave it his best shot. He followed his dream, right? I'm really glad that you brought that up too, James. Because you look at guys like Cowboy Cerrone. Never was able to get the UFC title. But if you look at guys that he fought, former world champions. I mean, it's what he represents to the sport. What he brought to the sport. So what is the number one thing that you think Chael brought to our sport to make it a, a, a better scene and, and more of a professional, uh, in, in the view of eyes of, Casuals or people that don't watch the sport. What do you think Chill brought to? Well, well you know what? He t uh, the most the most important thing that people don't think about is what he brought to the sport. Is that if you look at Charles Sonnen, he's a clean cut, nice looking guy. He's not like the big skinhead thug covered in tattoos or flat nose, looks like a fighter or uneducated. You know, he he didn't look like what he was. What he was was a good-looking animal, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, when he got his hands on you, you had the worst day of your life. He'll yeah. take you into deep water and drown you in any wrestling format in the world. And you know what? He wasn't too bad at striking either. So, he, you know, he was an all-round great fighter, but he brought a lot of people to the game. He rose the level. He brought a lot of spectators. He weren't getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for nothing but this is what i want to address which is what i think that I, I, i'm getting a little bit tired of hearing and and it, i don't know maybe it's just a sensitive thing because i'm a fighter or I, i'm not too sure but it's like so many people have come and gone and retired but yet i don't know who it is media if it's um the audience uh, you want to call them fans you call them what you like i don't know what it is but their definition of success 
of an athlete all boils down to the belt or, or fighting for the UFC or fighting for this one or fighting for that. It's, it's absolute bullshit. Who, do, who, who, was, who decided? I the, feel like that faded over the years too. I agree with you. Yeah, unless you fought for this company, unless you fought for that company, unless you achieved what I say you achieved, then you're a failure. Who's, who's got the authority to say that? I agree. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's take myself, for example. I've been a fighter. I had my first professional fight at 16 years old. Huh. I'm now 38. Yeah, I fought for the highest level of companies in the world, from K1 to Thai boxing to MMA. I fought for a lot of different companies. Have I ended my career in the UFC? No, I haven't. Does it mean I failed? No, because you know what? The UFC wasn't even around when I started fighting. It didn't exist. Internet didn't exist when I started fighting. So I'll be fucked if it defines how what I achieved and what I can achieve in the sport. I got into the sport for the love of fighting and love of martial arts. And I'm going to leave the sport that way. Martial arts is, is my dream. The platform that you fight on is just up to you. You know what I mean? Why is that a definition now all of a sudden? It has to be about the platform. It has to be about this ranking system. It wasn't ranking system. Oh, it means before. bullshit. It means nothing, like you said. It didn't, didn't fucking exist. Mm. It's about records now. It gives a shit about your records. You know what you give a shit about? You went out there, you fought your heart out, you dedicated your life, and you followed your dream. That's what it's really about. That's what martial arts is about. That's what the fight world is about. And forget the fight world. That's what life's about, right? Is that you follow your passion. That's it. You had the balls to go out there and don't take the nine to five. You had the balls to go out there, travel the world, leave your family or friends all behind, travel the other side of the world to try to achieve the best out of you you possibly could to follow your dream. And you wake and up motivated. 20 years later, someone's going to say, now nah, you failed because you didn't do this. Go fuck yourself. What do you mean I failed? No one, they can't tell me, no one's going say you failed or not. I don't agree with that whatsoever. At the end of the day, everyone has a five minutes of fame, but no one, got, I didn't get into this sport for fame. Charles Sonnen didn't get into this sport for fame. He got into the sport because he was a wrestler, he loved to compete, and he competed at a very high level. And then after wrestling, he had managed to get into the next phase, which was to keep competing and take those talents into the MMA world, which he did successfully. He achieved a wrestling format and put it into a fighting format and made millions of dollars. James, he was training with Randy Couture and a bunch of guys. Back in the day when they were at the top of the game, and yeah, then, yeah. you know, and, and then he came into you know the uh, the the spotlight, which he was surrounded yeah, that's, by. But that's, that's that's what irritates me the most is that like yeah. like just that just that clip you showed of, of, of a reporter um, asking him such a detrimental question, uh, at such a vulnerable time, when really he's done how many how many other minutes of accomplishments does the man have? Thank you. And you, you could discuss, but you just want to sit there and say, well, you didn't do what you said you were going to do. Well, do you know what? If you really want to break it down, there's not a person on this planet has done everything they said they were going to do, right? Exactly. So what's exactly. your point? So what's your point? Yeah, you know I, I mean? thought that was very disgusting that Brett Okamoto, of all people, would ask. That's something that you would hear from, uh, you know, one, one of the guys that are lower on the totem pole. Brett Okamoto asking well, that question. 
Well, you know what? I, I, don't, I, I, I can't say, but at the end of the day, the fact is, I don't know, the only person that said it was him, right? So where he is on the total pole or how experienced he is or whatever, it's just distasteful. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's disrespectful and it is what it is. But, you know, I think Chow handled it perfectly. Yeah, he, he spoke from the heart and, and you know, and he wasn't, he wasn't ashamed of that, which is what it's all about. He's nothing to be ashamed of. He fought and he accomplished 99.9% of what he set out to do, which I can tell you now is probably about 65% more than the average person. Probably more. Probably, now, 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 James, really quick, before we leave this topic, I have to bring this up because this is something that really bothers me about what people say on social media, uh, you know, about these guys that are that are fighting the best in the world. They look at them and they go, oh, well, he lost this fight, he lost that fight. These are the best in the world on any given night. One, and you know this as a heavyweight. You could take one of the top 10 guys. Any guy could probably take out the champion on his best night. So it's like, you know, I, I, don't, I never understood that. Even Anderson Silva losing these fights. You, you can't win, right? Because if there's a champion out there that's just completely dominating everybody, everyone's like, oh, well, it's going to be, it'll be over in five minutes. Like almost a Mike Tyson when he was yeah. in his realm, just knocking everybody out. But then when there was the George Foreman, Muhammad Ali, Ken Norton, Joe Frazier scene in the 70s, anyone could have won on any given night. And they loved it. So you can't win with these people. At the end of the day, it's like, it's like look at Anthony Joshua. He was out there undefeated and he was winning his fights, doing good. Okay, fights took change. Ruiz come through and put on a good performance. Super tough guy. He won on the night. Am I 100% sure that Ruiz will win the rematch? Yeah, don't know if I could say that. But it's just, this is the fight game. This is what happens. This is why we love the sport. It's because there's no guarantees. Anything can happen on any given night, which is what makes it so fucking exciting and makes it, the, you know, the fastest growing sport in the world. And something that attracts these people to the sport in the first place is what they use as a weapon to critique you and put you down if that happens. And it's like, you wouldn't even heard about this sport if that wasn't the case. <laughs> but hey, you want to use it against me? Because that's the part of the sport. Like, you, you fucking serious? <laughs> now, like, James, it's, it's crazy to me. I don't get it. Let me ask you this, because this goes right into it, and it's it's one of the next topics on our list here. Fedor Emelianenko signing another multi-fight deal with is considered his retirement tour. What do you think about this decision? And who would you like to see him fight? Because the rumors are he's going to be fighting one of the people that uh, you, you kind of had to live with, Rampage Jackson. Yeah, I think that's a great fight. I mean, they're both at similar stages in their life. I think Rampage has much more of a chance fighting him now than he ever would in Pride. Because that... He wouldn't have wanted to fight him back in the Pride days. Oh, what was that, 15 years ago now? No. 15 no, years ago when they both... Near... Chuck went over to Pride. What was that? How long ago was that? 14 years ago, maybe? Yeah, Chuck went over there. And, and I mean, that's when... Yeah, but, I mean, but Rampage was in Pride then when Fredor was... was, was and then he lost to Silva, right? Yeah. He, he lost to Vanderlei. Rampage. Yeah, yeah, no one wanted to go near Fedor back then. Yeah, so yeah. that was a different fight altogether. Yeah. But it's the same thing. Yeah, again, people want to talk about Fedor. It's like they love to see the greats fall. Fedor was an amazing champion, still is, super talented. He doesn't need the money. Fedor is still fighting because you know why? He loves the fight. He loves the sport. 
He's had the championships. He's had the money. He's had the fame. He's got it all. Why is he still doing it? Because he loves it. Rampage, multi-millionaire. He's got the fame. He's got the cars, the houses, world-renowned. Don't be Rampage Jackson in Japan or Asia. He's like a king over <laughs> He's there. Loved. He's yeah. known throughout the whole world. Yes. Why is he still fighting? Because he loves it and because he's a fighter. What else does he want to fucking do? He's been in major movies. He's played Mr. T. He's, <laughs> you know, Rampage has done everything. He can go down any realm he wants. He's one of the most funniest characters in the sport. He, he, he was, a, you know, why are these guys still fighting? Because they love it. And who are we to turn not to? I think it's a great fight. I, I really do, you know. Uh, are they both in their prime? No. No, they're not in their prime. Let's be honest. They're not in their prime. You know, Fedor would not have lost against the people he lost against in his prime. The people that beat uh, Rampage... No, he's not in his prime. Rampage has gained a bit of weight. He's embraced the heavyweight thing. He's not cutting anymore. He's not as cardiorific as he used to be. He's not body slamming people like he used to be. You know, he, he's, his fighting style has changed a little bit. But who cares? Will it be a good fight? Yes, it will. It'll be a good fight. I'm excited to watch it. Now, James, it wasn't released how many fights he actually has. How many do you think he he uh, was signed for? You think maybe four fights? Uh, do you know what? I don't know. And, and to be honest, I, I don't care really because okay. every time I watch Fedor fight, I, I'm just I'm still in awe of who the man is. Yeah. The way he conducts himself, the way he, his physical attributes, um, the way he can just come out and be so explosive and powerful. Like you know, I know some people that have fought Fedor, and they said. Getting hit by that man is like getting hit by a freight train. Like, I've never been hit so hard and aggressively in my entire life. Like, he, he's, he's, a different cat, he's a different kettle of fish. So, yeah, I, I'm just, it's not, you know, I hope he's got as many fights as he can handle and they've extended it as much as they can that he wants. I'm sure he's done a deal for as many fights as he wants. Scott Coker is obviously a massive fan of Fedor. Um, the people are huge fans of Fedor. They've got the finance to pay the guy, and they're making sensible fights for him. They're not chucking into the young up-and-comers heavyweights. They haven't earned the right to fight Fedor. You know what I mean? They're giving him the, they gave him Frank Mir who's an old veteran. They're giving him Rampage, another older veteran. They're letting him fight people of the same age and ex experience and time in life. So they're making sensible fights for him. Now, James, let me give you uh, one last question on the whole Fedor thing. If Fedor does fight Rampage, what's your prediction real quick off the top of your head? I would say Fedor finishes him. But I don't think he'll finish him standing up. I think what he'll do is he'll he'll attack him fast as always. They'll get into a stand-up fight. And I think to, when Fredor makes the body lock, Fredor's ground and wrestling is, is superior. Uh, Rampage is very strong, but he doesn't have the cardio of Fredor. And I think Fredor will wear him down with ground and pound and finish the fight. James, can I ask you something really quick? If you had to fight yeah, Rampage, because I know you and Rampage kind of got into it on that season Ultimate Fighter. Right now, if you fought Rampage right now, how do you think that fight would go? That would be interesting. I, w I would love a fight with Rampage. Um, 
not not for because I'm being egotistical and think that I, you know, uh, or anything or disrespect to him whatsoever. Anyone I ask to fight or I'd like to fight is not because of a disrespectful manner. It's because it's an honour to share the cage with them. Yeah. And I've been a huge fan of of Rampage for years. Yeah, we got into our little argument on the show, but we squished it. Actually, the following day, he he actually drove over to the house and we sat down and had a chat about it, and we just laughed it off you know he's a great you, you can't be mad at him he's just one of those characters that he just got that laugh and that smile and he just makes you laugh do you know yeah. what i mean yeah. but yeah i would love that fight i would really love it i think stylistically it'd be a great fight rampage is looking to stand up with most people nowadays um i know how i would win the fight i know the low kicks would be the problem for, for rampage uh when keith jardine fought Rampage, he low kicked the crap out of him. Even John he had Jones. No answer for the low kicks. John Jones low kicked the crap out of him. Low kicks is a problem for jo for Rampage, but not just low kicks in general. But I know with Rampage, if you don't throw kicks, you don't know how to. Def no, he doesn't know how to defend them. But you're not up, you're not savvy in your defense because day one you learn to kick, right? Day two you learn to defend. Simple, right? So when someone's not kicking in their fights it pretty much tells you that they're, they're a few steps behind on the defense. Of course, you've still got to be a little bit tricky and put your punches and your combinations together and make your low kick. Um, you can't just single leg kick someone like him because he'll probably eat it and punch you and grab you and slam you on your head. But you've got to be a bit smart with him. But apart from that, I think that would be the way to beat him. Now, moving into the last topic section of this podcast, episode number 16, uh, listen... This is kind of a weird one. This is kind of a fun one too, James, because I was a little surprised. I don't know if they're doing it for media or just to kind of get it on the trending page, but Justin Bieber calling out Tom Cruise. All right. Yeah, we all kind of laughed at it, but then Conor McGregor goes, oh, I'll sponsor under McGregor Promotions. Floyd Mayweather goes, oh, I'll sponsor it. And then Dana White goes two days ago, let's get it on. So uh, what are your yeah. thoughts on that? And what do you think about them bringing back Celebrity Boxing? Maybe not under the UFC or like a, a brand name, but just doing it on like NBC or something, like Celebrity Boxing in, in a way. What do you think about that? But first, what was your re initial reaction? My initial reaction is, to be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of Justin Bieber. <laughs> I hope not, I think James. He's a super talented uh, kid. <laughs> And I think when he was young, he was an amazing, humble, talented kid. Of course, he's shown some colors since then. And yeah. I think money, fame has gone to his head, which it would do probably to most at his age and his level of success. But um, I just thought, oh, you're an idiot. Shut up. You know? <laughs> and then I saw Tom Cruise's uh, answer. And I was like, God, Tom is a little bit out there as well, right? He's a bit of a spaceship. Like he's, I don't know, like he's... I think he's had a few many space cakes in his life. I agree. He's acted a bit strange over the last few years, right? So yeah. it's happened to Tom over the last few years. It's no secret. So <laughs> no, it's no secret. He's done enough interviews where he's exposed himself to be a little bit um I don't know, not the sharpest tool in the box when it comes to, you know, keeping <laughs> it together. So uh, to be honest, I just think it's would I watch? I wouldn't even watch the fucking thing. I wouldn't. I couldn't give a shit if 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 I happens or not. In my opinion, I couldn't care less because I just think it'd be such a low level, shitty fight. Like you'd be like to watching two kids in a playground. But as a promoter, you know, if you're Dana could, White and you know how much money it could make, what would be your thoughts then? I think it could make money, but of course it can make money just because the sheer mass of followers they got. Right? I mean, how many silly little Bieber's fans? 
I mean, I'm probably going to get murdered for this, if this you know, when everyone hears this. But um, all these little Bieber fans are going to be watching and paying for their pay-per-view. And, yeah. of course, Tom, uh, Tom Cruise's fans, of course. But does the real fight fans want to see it? No, no, I'm not paying to watch it. Couldn't give a shit. You know, if if they weren't who they were to watch two extremely low-level nobodies fight, I have no interest in it. No interest. I like to watch fights that are technical, exactly. uh, intelligent, or whatever. It's just a freak fight. You know what I mean? It's like watching two. You know, I don't like watching uh, people fight in the street because a it's ugly and b it's just unjust. Yeah. I don't like it. You know what I mean? It just makes you feel a bit sick sometimes. Watching these two headlock and scratch each other's eyes out and you know break a nail. I've got no interest <laughs> in it to be honest. Um, uh, if this is saying they want to jump on to make money, then go and make. But it's not like Justin Bieber needs money, is it? No. Tom Cruise ain't short of a penny or two, and Dana White's got a few billion, so he ain't sure. So I mean, it's just it's just jumping on the cow. I, will it ever happen? No way. It will never happen in a billion years. Could you imagine if like how much it would affect their careers if it did? Yeah, yeah. Well, well let me ask you this. I mean. Tom Cruise is known for doing all of his own stunts and, and everything, but he's getting towards, I think he's 54, maybe. How do you think this fight yeah, would go? Listen, because I think Tom would win. But that's the thing. Stunt, stunt work is one thing, right? Fighting real is another thing. Okay. Like, I've done stunt work on things. Yeah, okay, but it's in a controlled for, okay, jump and get a fake punch to land on a, on a mat. It's a little bit different when someone's really punching you, but Justin Bieber hasn't got a punch in him. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think he couldn't punch for a wet paper bag if you know if his life depended on it. Um, so th there's no there's no risk of them getting injured, is it? Unless they fall down the steps. Yeah. yeah. Do you know, that's the only chance. You know, if the referee falls over and lands on Justin, he might break a rib. That's yeah. the only chance of getting injured by both points. This that makes me laugh is that some people think that oh he's in movies, he's an action hero or whatever, that he's like that he can really do it or he's really gonna be a fight. No, Tom Cruise is just as wet as Justin Bieber and Justin Bieber is just as wet as Tom Cruise. Don't be don't be don't, don't make no mistake about that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I mean Tom Cruise I, I think is a little bit heavier. That's about it. This, this is the last thing I got to ask you, though. Um, mo moving forward, as we get to the last couple of minutes of this podcast, you have an upcoming fight. So uh, what are you what have you been doing? Are you just kind of like taking it easy? It seems like you're just kind of relaxing this uh, this time around, getting your travel in. Being, it, it seems like more of a nostalgic fight camp to me. But you said you have to be serious moving forward now. So what's going on there, James? No, to be honest, I was I wasn't the fact that it wasn't a serious training camp. It definitely was a serious training camp. I pushed myself, but the fact was, this training camp I was already in shape when I started, so it wasn't like I was out of shape. I was already still training from previous fights. I was already still helping my fighters get along. Um, I still had nine weeks to prepare for this fight. Um, I mean, during this training camp, I trained one of the best strength position coaches in the world, Norm Turner, that's trained the likes of Forrest Griffin. Um, you name you name UFC fighters, and he's pretty much trained sixty percent of them in Las Vegas. Yeah. So he did all my strength conditioning, Norm Turner. I worked with Freddie Roach. I worked with Lucian Carpin. I mean, I've sparred with some of the best guys uh, all over America. So it's not like I haven't had a, a good training camp whatsoever. I was just already in shape. So I didn't have to kill myself um, pushing to that shape. I had to gradually start a little bit slower for the first month because I was already in shape. I didn't want to peak too early, you know. 
Um, I concentrated on being a little bit heavier for this fight and keeping my explosion. Um, so I'm a little bit bigger than I've been before, um, which I feel great with. And this last month, I've peaked perfectly. So now it's, you know, up until yesterday, training was peaking perfectly. I took today off. I'm going to train tomorrow. Friday is the weigh-ins, and then Saturday I fight. So uh, this week is always just an activation week anyway for me before I fight. I never have to go do too much. I just pretty much just get my activation stuff done. So it's going down June 22nd. What can people expect when uh, they tune in to watch you fight? Well, it's a world title fight. Uh, I'm fighting um, a big guy. Um, I think he's originally from Iran, but lives in Germany. Um, he, he's more of a grappler and ground guy. I mean, he, stand, he stands up a little bit, but I already know from inside sources that he okay. was very nervous about fighting me in a ring, not a cage, no because I would imagine that he's going to struggle trying to take me down in a ring. Uh, at least in the cage, he could try and get me up against the cage and try and take me down from a cage standpoint. But in a ring, he can't do that against the ropes. Not that I believe he can take me down anyway. You like um, that better, fighting inside a ring over a cage? Um, to be honest, I don't care anymore. I mean, for me, it doesn't really matter because I've wrestled with a lot of people. I, I've done jiu-jitsu with some of the best in the world. I'm not insecure of my wrestling or my ground game like I was maybe 10 years ago. So it's a complete different format now for me. So I, I don't really care. But he is young. So for him, he's insecure because he wants to stay in his realm. He's not going to want to stand up and strike with me. He knows he's going to lose that battle. So his game plan would be to take me down. Yeah, it's cool. a lot harder for him to take me down in a ring. Makes a lot. Just simply, simply three steps and we hit the ropes, right? And hitting the ropes, you can fall through them. If he pushes too hard, um, he, he doesn't have the same stop. I can still sprawl. I can still level change. He Against the cage, you can't do that stuff when you're getting rammed up against it. Uh, dirty boxing can work against the cage. It doesn't work in a ring. So there's a lot of different things that are in my favor. So that's his insecurities, not mine. Um, I'm happy to take this fight anywhere it goes, but he won't last two rounds of me um, in this fight. I believe I'll put him away in the first, but um, just because of sheer, uh, he it won't go past two. Let's put it that way. Oh, I can't wait for it, James. Really quick, twenty seconds, quick prediction: BKFC six, Ardmovov versus Polymalanaji. How do you see that fight going down? If you got thirty seconds on the clock, I'd like to see Porter get knocked out. Oh wow! Okay. You yeah. think you think it's gonna go down? Whatsoever. You think it's gonna go down early, later in the fight? Yeah, I think he'll get clicked in the in the end of the first, beginning of the second. Um, I think he's gonna try and box like a professional boxer, and bare knuckle boxing is just not like that. Um, just because, yeah, again, it's two different platforms. Just because you're a bare knuckle boxer, it doesn't work in a street fight. Street fights don't work in a boxing rings. You know, uh, you still got if you got to learn to do what you got to do. And at the end of the day, whether he can hit hard as a boxer or not. With bare knuckle, you just got to get clipped. You just got to get caught. And punches in bare knuckle boxing comes at obscure angles. It's not coming at straight lines or hooks and just simple uppercuts. There's overhand rights coming. There's dirty boxing coming. And he hasn't got that experience. And to be honest, I just I just don't rate him as a fighter. Um, if he was a great boxer, he wouldn't be doing it in the first place, right? Yeah. It just seems like a weird situation to me for him to even be going over there to do that. But, uh, James, I want well, to thank you. He's, he's, he's done it for a cheap bit of money. I mean, he got paid $150,000. Yeah. 
that's not much. That's, that's what inside sources tell me, yeah. Right? So he would make more doing boxing, right? Oh, of course. But yeah. no one's going to pay him doing boxing because he was a... He was a journeyman in boxing at best, you know what I mean? He, he had a couple of fights. He did pretty good with his title stuff, and he, he realmed okay. But, I mean, listen, no one knew, it apart from hardcore boxing fans, right, that only study all weight classes in boxing, no one knew who the fuck Paulie Magliano was until he had an argument with Conor McGregor. Yeah. I actually got no to meet him. He, he's a really nice guy, but I've heard from other fighters agreeing exactly what you're saying, like, to, to a T saying exactly what you're saying, think that he's going to get finished here. James, I want to thank you so much for episode number 16. Before I go, man, I just turned 30. Give me some advice. Oh, what can no. I expect in these next couple of years? Well, give you advice at 30? <laughs> yeah. Um, just enjoy yourself, my friend. Just enjoy yourself because, you know, something. time goes quick. Um, I'm 38 now. I remember my 30th birthday. My wife threw me a surprise birthday in England with all my friends and family. And that was after UFC 120. Wow. That was eight years, eight, almost nine years ago. Um, time just fucking flies. So you know what? Just go out there and do what you're doing because you're already doing it right. Enjoy yourself. Live life by your own rules. As long as you're happy, my friend, that's what it matters. Thank you know, you. just... You just got to look after yourself in this world, unfortunately. Keep to your friends and loved ones close, but just take care of, you, of what you got to do. Follow your dreams and it'll happen. It'll happen. It doesn't matter. You're a good guy doing good things and, and you work hard. So wherever you put yourself, you're going to be successful. James, I, I won't lie. I've been uh, seeing too many girls every day. I think it's time for me to settle down. I mean, I shouldn't have three girls coming over every week. I think now that I hurt yeah, 30, it's... Uh, yeah, but down. the thing is, it's not about the amount of girls or whatever. <laughs> um, everyone has a different course in life. Like I was, I was always in long relationships. I wasn't really a guy that had a lot of girlfriends. I had relationships. Um, but when I met my wife, I knew she was the right one, and that was it. But I had experienced a lot of life, so therefore now being married with a child, I don't have like I'm feeling like I've missed out on anything. Yeah. So for you. You know, you've had to get that, and that's what people do. They get tied down too young, and then they get meet the girl when they're 21, 22, get married, have kids. Three or four years later, guess what? Someone went astray. Yes. It didn't work out. It's a broken <laughs> home. You know, and it's, it's terrible to say, right? But unfortunately, that's, that's the majority. It's, there's a few rare people out there that have gone the course. My brother met a girl when he was 15. My mother and father met each other when they were 40. That They've been together. Their 49th wedding anniversary was last weekend. So it can be done, but it, they're, they're, they're rare as rocking horse shit, yeah. right? So yeah. but the majority <laughs> nowadays, you've got to go out there and live your life, have your fun. So when the right person comes into it, no matter who it may be, you've experienced life. You've got experience. No one wants to be with someone who's not experienced in relationships or partners or whatever. You need the experience. You've got to live yourself. There's things that you want to do when you're single that you can't do when you're married and with children. And then when you go on to that chapter of your life, like me, I'm married with a child. You know, I've been in nightclubs. I've had them experiences. I've been out and I've experienced the world. Now... I, I choose to put my daughter to bed every night at 7 mm. o'clock and read her a book over anything else in the world. If you said to me, do you want to come to Las Vegas? All expenses paid in the best nightclub in Vegas. 
I said, no, I'm gonna, said, no, I'm good. I'm gonna put my daughter to bed and watch The Real Housewives of my wife. <laughs> you know, I've been there and done yeah. that stuff. You know, yeah. and now what's really important to me is that the next chapter of my life is being a father and, and a husband and. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. So don't beat yourself up for being young and enjoy yourself. There's a time and a place. Don't do it when you're 45 and married and you want to try and relive your youth. You live your youth, move on, then every chapter after that is a new one. You can enjoy it better. I think a couple thousand of the listeners that we have here on uh, Gloves Off Podcast could also relate to that because I look at the uh, analytics and we have listeners between 18 and 35 here. So I hope that you guys understood yeah. that because that definitely clicked with me. James, I want to thank you so much. I want to wish you best of luck, best of skill going up to June 22nd for this fight. And uh, before before we let you go, man, uh, listen, we're going to be paying attention to this fight. Win or lose, we're going to be rooting for you. And uh, we're looking forward to everything that happens with this fight. So uh, we, we just want to all wish you best of skill moving forward and we'll talk to you in about a couple of weeks but last but not least james uh really quick where can people find you on social media if they want to give you a follow um, you can follow me on facebook got a fan page on there james McSweeney. and then on instagram you can find me at mcsweeney mma and i've got a new gym i've just um just bought an opening opens first of july in plano texas so i'm launching my new gym and then i'm moving to dallas uh which is Plain though is about 10 minutes outside of Dallas, um, and that opens the first week in July. So you can find that on the ground of Sweeney Martial Arts Plano. So you can find me uh, on a few different platforms. But uh, it, uh, it's a good thing. There's a lot of good things in the pipeline for myself right now. But we're coming out. I've got a reality show that, that I've had a film crew follow me around for the last two months. I've got another month left. So that's that's going ahead as well. There's some good things coming up with that. that and yet the movie coming up. up. Which you yeah, saw in the e movie comes yeah. out, come, that comes out at the end of August, but that coming to the cinema. There's a few things in the pipeline coming up that we're going to be releasing soon and talking about. Um, I want to talk to you as well. I've got a little, another little job offer for you that could work out well. We'll talk about that after my fight. Oh, yeah. So uh, we've got some good stuff coming up. So uh, stay tuned, guys. There's a lot to be released. All right, James. That does it for episode number 16 of Gloves Off Podcast. Subscribe down below. Give us a thumbs up. Subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify. That does it for me and James McSweeney. And you know what it is, guys. Behave yourselves. Later, James. Thanks.